0: separate thing of good news. So that's how we'll do this here, right? The good news is you are tuned in to the number one sports show in Greenville. Uh, Number one show in the 5 o'clock hour in Greenville, Patrick Johnson show. Great to have you with us. Ben Byron producing again today. Uh, Let's see here. So it was announced this afternoon that the Little League World Series will not go on this year. And, of course, that also includes the Softball World Series, which was slated to be taking part in Greenville. And uh, neither event will be uh, happening this year, which is uh, just heartbreaking. Uh, On a couple of different uh, notes, is it uh, heartbreaking? Um, First of all, you hate it for those kids, little league kids, not being able to have an opportunity to play for a chance to go to Williamsport. I mean, we, we know how special that is when teams from Greenville have gone. A uh, couple teams in the last several years going. One just a few years ago. And how that kind of captured the imagination of Eastern North Carolina. And really, it was a very nice way to kind of go from that into ECU football. It was kind of a fun, you know, thing. And, and really, the whole state got behind that crowd. Um, the the softball World Series coming here, I thought was going to. I was really thrilled about it. That was going to have a huge economic impact here around the well, was, of I, part of the state. And I think people would have gotten behind it. I really do. I think, I think you know, local fans were going to show up um, and watch it, and I, that was just going to be a great thing. But uh, neither event will happen this year, and it's just it's one of those things. It it, did, it really is kind of. Uh, sadden me a little bit because I, I knew what a fun event this was going to be this year. Uh, so I did. I, I talked to the mayor today a little bit about it, and he, I mean, he just, you know, mentions we're, it's just another thing we kind of we're getting hammered on here, and it's tough, and it's a, it's, you know, there are we, there's we could get into the whole need to get back to work thing, and I understand the World Series perhaps canceling again because there's an international component to this. And I, I understand that. I don't think this should be viewed in any way that something that's being canceled that takes place in August is gloom and doom for domestic sports to happen. But if you are going to be in a foreign land or you're going to have foreign competition on U.S. soil, I think it makes total sense to, uh, to not hold those. Uh, I did talk to Brian Weingartz this afternoon. Brian posted something uh, as well, which we'll get to here in a moment, and uh basically it was the same kind of conversation that I had uh, with him, but uh it looks like that uh Greenville Little League is, is still planning on having uh some sort of season. So the regionals and the uh World Series are uh are are not happening. <clears throat> and uh Brian uh posted on there today uh that uh they are still kind of working on dates and scheduling, but the plan is to have a full season. In fact, Brian's agreed to come on with us tomorrow on the five o'clock hour to kind of give us an update, even though the board will not have formally approved anything. uh, He feels, you know, obviously he's talked to his board members and they feel pretty good about what they're planning. And he feels like he could say some things without, you know, not stepping on the toes of anybody. So um, they they still have a, a plan to have little league baseball this year and have a full season here in Greenville, and you can still have a regular season. So uh, they're just asking for some patience at this time, and uh, they're ready to see you on the ball field. And I think that's going to be uh, a really great thing, I really do, when we uh, can, can have that sort of return. It, it may be a little latter part of the summer. I, I don't know anything. I'm just you know thinking it'll probably be certainly post-July 4th. It'll probably go into the fall a little bit. Who knows? But it, just to be able to have... Little League Baseball, and there's so many people that go and watch the games that don't have kids involved, that had kids involved at one time. Uh, you know, Hank's, Hinton's kids involved, Henry likes to go watch the games. I mean, it's a it's a big part of the culture here in Greenville, and it's a big springtime and summertime activity here. And it, it, you obviously have the Yankee Stadium of, of Little League uh, uh, ballparks right here in Greenville, which is the reason you have the Softball World Series. So... Uh, we'll also maybe get a little guidance from Brian DeMar. Does that mean that the softball World Series day uh, dates? Does that push the, the back or is that a year lopped off of the agreement? So we'll get into some of that uh, tomorrow with, uh, with Brian. But have no fear. Just because the Little League World Series and the regionals are not happening does not mean that there will not be Little League Baseball in, in Greenville this year. There will be. So that was the bad news with the good news that there could still be some Little League baseball this year. Do you want the other piece of, uh, of, of good news? Yeah, I'm ready now that we got the bad news out of the way. Well, there was some good news on that, that there's still going to be Little League baseball this year. That's the plan in the regular season. Um, NASCAR has announced plans to resume racing May 17th, and they'll start with the race in Darlington. The event will be the first of seven races among three series between May 17th and the 27th. Uh, that uh, is a Sunday. That'll be the, uh, the cup. Teams will run a 400-mile race at Darlington Raceway. Uh, Tuesday, they'll run an Xfinity race there in South Carolina, Tuesday the 19th. Wednesday the 20th, cup teams will return to Darlington and run a 500-kilometer race. And then uh, the Sunday, they'll be in Charlotte. That's been official today. Uh, we might also talk to the Charlotte Motor Speedway folks, if not tomorrow, <clears throat> um, early next week. Uh, we've been in touch with Scott Cooper there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And again, normally this time of year, we're getting ready to give you tickets to go to the event on us. But uh, that's uh, going to be happening without fans this year. Uh, also on uh, Memorial Day, they're going to have a race at Charlotte. The truck series will be that Tuesday at Charlotte. So what NASCAR is doing is they're racing now during the week, starting on Sundays, and, it, and and I think that's brilliant because you'll have a captive audience conceivably still at home, but you're also putting it on. A lot of these are going to be uh, races that take place at night. Like the truck race will be on a Tuesday night in Charlotte at 8 o'clock. On FS1, it's a live weeknight event, so I think people will watch it. This could be a really good way for NASCAR to get some fans re-engaged in the sport, and I hope they they handle it the way they should. I think the way they're putting it on is the right way to do it. Instead of having, you know, Saturday afternoon races or even Sunday the, the normal schedule, let's just say, I like this idea of starting on Sunday and carrying it to the middle of the week. I think that's and I think that quite frankly could be the future of NASCAR. I wouldn't be surprised if we've got a little bit of a trial balloon. Same thing with the MLB idea of we're going to have you know, three 10-team uh, divisions and no American League and no National League. I think there's going to be a ton of positives to come out of a lot of this. Now, uh, something today that, that happened that is uh, getting the universal thumbs down. The NCAA, and I, I meant to tell you to pull this clip, Ben, but I was too busy talking about my dining experiences. I the Remember when Mike Houston, we asked him about the – NCAA making the decision to let kind of players have the penalty-free transfer. In other words, you get that one time in your collegiate career. I
1: do remember that. He was
0: not a big fan of that, as you recall. And so um, that was decided today by the NCAA that they will not let kids have this transfer situation where you you could transfer one year without penalty. The argument being that if you – Obviously, you're going to a school for a coach most of the time. If that coach leaves, should you be given the right to... I mean, think about Wake Forest. You know, there were kids that were recruited to that campus who, the way it was looking, Danny Manning, everybody thought was going to be back and he was going to be their coach. And now, Danny Manning, here in late April, is not the coach anymore. They've already named a coach, and we'll get into that a little more later on, but... Uh, Steve Forbes from East Tennessee, but you know it, those kids that have signed and have already kind of you know everybody's in a little bit of a holding pattern now. But should those kids be able to decommit, and recommit somewhere else, or, or transfer to somewhere else without penalty? From that standpoint, the argument I think does make some sense. But what you're going to get, and I think this was Mike Houston's point, you're going to get kids who are going to go somewhere, maybe not like the situation after a redshirt year in football and then a, a true freshman. Or a, a redshirt freshman year, maybe a saw and, and just leave, and you know without the, the the penalty of that is you have to sit out. In a lot of cases, and that maybe prevents kids from from transferring. So kids who maybe feel like they're not getting time would do that sort of thing. Um, I think that is. I mean that that's a legitimate way to look at it. I think the other way to look at it, again, is if a coach is no longer part, should the kid have an ability to. So the NCAA, what was funny is talking to some basketball people nationally, I guess there's 850 kids presently sitting in the transfer portal. I mean, it's a big basketball problem, a huge basketball problem. And all of a sudden, they were thinking that that number would uh, double at least maybe maybe a a time and a half, go up 150% and that you would have that many more kids had the NCAA decided to do this. So there's, there's a lot of heat coming out on the NC2A today about that, uh, and uh, Brian Mull will be along in a few minutes. We'll talk to him about uh, that. We'll talk to him about name, image, and likeness, which uh, if you delve into the, the beef of that 30-some-odd page report, a lot of it is they're kicking the can to Congress and having Congress oversee this. So it will usurp states. And and I think you do want some uniformity in that, but the NCAA ought to be able to provide uniformity in that, not rely on uh, not rely on federal government to provide oversight. Yeesh. Uh, also coming up in a little bit, uh, we told you yesterday that uh, the high school athletic association had decided to named the basketball teams that advanced to the finals but didn't get to play the final game, co-champions. So congrats to the Farmville Central girls and our buddy Larry Williford and the Farmville Central boys. They're they're named uh, co-state champs. Of course, they'd won it, and uh, we're looking for uh, consecutive championships where where the Jaguars. But I think if you go and uh, take a look at uh, some of the other things out of that meeting yesterday, what's interesting is some of these, this could impact JP two. Uh, And their football program, this could impact APA down in Kinston and their football program, maybe Pungo over in uh, Bellhaven, and their football. They all play eight-man football at the private school level. Well, now it looks like it was decided yesterday that the Athletic Association is going to let small schools that are having a hard time fielding a team uh, in the public school level field an eight-man football team. Uh, That would be great. A couple of them applied and got through yesterday. So uh, Chris Hughes with the triumphant return to the Patrick Johnson show coming up. Uh, is there anything else, Ben? Anything else that I've, I've missed today while I've been talking to the people? Okay. Well, we'll take a break. Uh, Maul will join us when we come back. We'll talk about Steve Forbes, and I want to get his, his thoughts on what the NCAA decided to do yesterday and what they decided not to do today. So that uh, comes on the other side of this timeout uh, on uh, what was a frog strangler today. A gully washer with the rain. I had to be out and set that rain a little bit today, Ben. Not fun, not fun to be out in the rain. I had my rain boots, and I still got uh, cold, wet feet at the end of the whole thing. Uh, So we'll uh, update the forecast for you too. Plus, get Mole on. I think we got old Jay Billis sound on all this that Mole can uh, digest. Very good. So all of that when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. Welcome back in, Patrick Johnson
2: Show.
0: We had a, a ton of rain today. We are- Looking at uh, very nice weather for the weekend. Uh, might hold on to a 20% chance of rain tonight. Tomorrow, though, it'll be a little breezy. And uh, I guess they're calling for a 40% chance of rain tomorrow. That must be early on. Hmm. Uh, anyway, 66 for the high tomorrow. Friday night, 48 degrees. Saturday is going to be uh, a gorgeous day. Probably perfect uh, in a lot of people's minds. Uh, 73, and sunny on Saturday. Sunday, high near 83 with brilliant, abundant sunshine. Uh, and then Monday, uh, will be at a high of 81 with the chance of uh, rain of around 30%. 75 on Tuesday with uh, sunny skies. Probably got at least an inch. Plus of rain today and uh, it's pretty soggy out there, but it, uh, when it finally uh, ended, thankfully we had a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, sunshine that started to peek through just a little bit. Did we get an idea of what's going on? Okay. I didn't know if we were having phone issues. I know they've had some phone issues at uh, at other places. Uh, all right, so Brian Mull in uh, a few minutes. If uh, we need to, we'll just uh, we'll skip over Mull. Uh, let's. Uh, this is Billis with his uh, thoughts on the national, or rather, the name, image, likeness. Is that right? All right, let's try that. Uh, Jay Billis talking about uh, that on the mothership
3: hand, you want to give the NCAA credit that it's taking another step toward giving athletes the same economic rights as literally everyone else, including every other student. But then you listen to Mark Emmert, who has changed his tune really at every, um, every turn in this From when he first got the job to athletes will never be compensated on my watch to saying, you know, in the O'Bannon case, under oath uh, that athletes should never be shills for a product and its exploitation to now saying that they've been trying all along to to help athletes and they're just, you know, they're getting tripped up by litigation. You know, the NCAA is still going to Congress and asking Congress to bail it out. Uh, All it needs to do is just say that athletes can earn or accept whatever they like in the marketplace just like any other student can, and they don't have to worry about any state laws. Uh, it's just simple free market economics, and it's really, really simple. Uh, but they're trying to put up all these guardrails and all these other restrictions, uh, and, and I don't think it's going to work. The only thing that's going to work is allowing athletes the same economic rights as everybody else.
0: All right, Jay Billis uh, from earlier uh, on uh, ESPN. So people, while they think this is a positive thing, they believe that uh, there's too, still too many guardrails on it. The congressional element bothers me, but the thing, I, I guess, is instead of dealing with different states and an NCAA made up of thousands of schools, you're now in a position where it, there's, there's sort of some oversight. But the NCAA ought to be able to do that. But I guess the big reason is not is because these states have been the ones that really pushed the name image likeness uh, envelope, most notably California and Florida initially. We got Mull now, Brian Mull joining us, uh, Forbes.com, Caddy Network, other outlets uh, as well. Uh, Brian, you doing all right? I am. Hi,
4: Patrick. Sorry I had a little technical difficulty on this end. But no, we got it's that it's okay. Worked out.
0: I think so. I think we're good. You sound good. Coming off a 72 Perfect. yesterday, so I think you're feeling good about yourself is what I'm thinking, even though you lost Make money. a few more putts, Patrick. A few more putts. You, lost mo- you, you shot a 72 and lost money. I don't, how do you do that?
4: The, my opponent made five birdies and an eagle. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> when we have these guys around here talking about their golf bets, none of them are shooting seventy two and losing. I can tell you that. So, I mean, you're well, I, you're, yeah, you're you're I stepping think, up in the in the in the world a little bit. It seems like.
4: All right. I think I got out gambled, but anyway.
0: All right. So Steve Forbes uh, is the uh, new man in uh, Winston Salem uh and uh, that's kind of interesting i know you're tight with him uh guy can he, he's had an interesting career it was interesting today to listen to other uh, sports talk hosts across the state talk about this in that you know they couldn't understand the west miller thing but miller apparently had no real interest in this job and with forbes you know well he was a juco coach well he he got mixed up in all that mess with Tennessee and Bruce Pearl, and he kind of had to build his way back up to the D1 level, didn't he?
4: That's exactly right. Uh, you know, Steve's a grinder from day one, a, a blue-collar guy, uh, certainly not born into any, uh, you know, coaching tree per se, just worked his way up and uh, got got involved, you know, with Bruce Pearl there and certainly got caught up and uh, went back to the junior college route and got some very valuable head coaching experience and then spent a couple of years under Greg Marshall, at Wichita State to kind of get back in the Division One game, which was uh, extremely valuable as they were getting their program rolling there and going to the Final Four and certainly uh, carried that over at East Tennessee. I mean, what he's done there in the last five or six years in a in a terrific Southern Conference, probably as strong as that conference has ever, ever been at the top. and The consistency and the, and the ability to recruit that he's shown, uh, I think he, he had certainly earned this opportunity. And then when you look at his relationship with John Curry – having worked together at Tennessee, it just made sense that he would, he would be on the list. Uh, I, I think Miller told them, uh, you know, he just wasn't as interested as a lot of people assumed he would be early on. And, you know, he's built a nice program there at UNC Greensboro and certainly will have other opportunities if he chooses to pursue them down the road.
0: You know, there's some talk today, and, I, and I, Adam Gold talked about this today earlier on this station, and I think it does make a little bit of sense. You know, uh, he could have maybe waited till next year with an SEC job. Uh, that might be have been a little better fit for Forbes, but you know, look, you got to take the gig while it's there, kind of, right?
4: That's right. And I always thought that Steve would end up in the SEC. Uh, I, you know, there were a number of places there that potentially were going to open in the next year or so. That I, that I could see him. Uh, you know, just because he's recruited to the southeast, but certainly. Uh, you know, he, he felt like the opportunity at Wake Forest was a good fit. And, and, and from a perspective of, uh, you know, if you're a Demon Deacon basketball fan, you've, you've looked out on the court the last few years and you've seen some talent, but you've questioned what they were trying to do offensively a lot of the time. And, and, and more nights than not, you saw a team that was playing with no defensive intensity and there wasn't a lot of energy coming from the bench. And I think Forbes will will check all those boxes. Uh, he He's a pretty... He's a pretty active uh, guy on the bench. His teams play very hard on the defensive end. Play uh, you know a lot of man to man at East Tennessee. They pressed a little bit, but um, he gives them you know a little bit of freedom offensively. Uh, but uh, he was able to recruit size, uh, talented size, you know, even at the Southern Conference level. So hopefully that you know for his sake will be able to carry over at Wake. But uh, I think they'll you'll see just a different level of intensity. Um, really more along the lines of what, what you saw when, uh, you know, Prosser was there as far as the the energy coming from the bench and, and uh, on the court. Why
0: didn't Danny Manning work out there?
4: Yeah. You know, I could just never, they just never formed an identity under him. And he, he certainly had some tough luck with, with guys leaving maybe earlier than he expected, whether it was to go to the NBA or, or transfer. But, uh, Look, Wake's not—you know—it's a tough job. It's—it's—you uh, it, know—when Syracuse and, and Pitt and Louisville came into the league a few years ago, the job only—you know—became that much more difficult within the ACC. And it, you, you have to come in there with a with a blueprint and, and some clear idea of what you're trying to do. And I just never—I never got the feeling—you know—I I never really had a, a firm handle on what they were trying to accomplish and uh, their, their base of recruiting was kind of all over the place a little bit, and just uh, with, with that much roster turnover, there was just no continuity and no consistency.
0: All right, Brian uh, Mull with us. He writes uh, Forbes.com covering college hoops and uh, college athletics. Uh, other outlets as well coming down the, uh, coming down the line, and uh, once we all get back to normal, right? Uh, Brian uh, on the phone with us here. Uh, the uh, name image likeness if you delve into it there are obviously things that can be critical look the NCAA moves at a glacial pace they got this done pretty quickly uh, all things considered and uh, while you could argue they didn't really do a whole lot in some respects the fact that they've even acknowledged this after years and years of uh, their way of thinking I think it's it's a win what are you hearing from folks?
4: I think it's a big step forward. Absolutely, I think it's something that we all, uh, you know, those of us who follow the, the sport closely felt like it was just common sense. And uh, you know, let's just let's be realistic about the the impact that these athletes are having on these respective universities, and let's give them an opportunity, uh, you know, outside of the framework of, of the school uh, having the you know, the financial obligation let's give them an opportunity to, to generate some additional revenue if, if they can. And I think it could be extremely beneficial in, in places like Greenville, North Carolina and Wilmington, North Carolina, and in and, and towns that are in smaller markets uh, where, uh, you know, the, the athletes and, the, and the, the prominent programs really step to the front page. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, at what level it develops and, and how many players really have these opportunities. That's what I'm interested to see. You know certainly you look at the stars of each team, but does it trickle down to some other sports? Or um, you know, there's, it's going to be fascinating to kind of watch it unfold over the next few years.
0: Uh, I think personally that this is a uh, a really good uh, thing here in Greenville because you know sports like baseball. I could see some of those guys. Uh, taking advantage of it and maybe some other sports, but I think uh, you know the so-called non-rev sports in certain situations, this could be a real benefit for them. We've got Brian Mull with us here. Uh, Brian, today, though, the decision made by the NCAA to not uh, grant student-athletes that kind of unpenalized one-time transfer, um, didn't think that was going to happen until next month. It, I guess the word is today that that is not going to happen. So how much does that sort of change the game, especially on the basketball side?
4: Yeah, that's a that's a significant. Uh, it really goes against the grain of every conversation I've had with coaches during the last month or so. They really were uh, just feeling like it was a, it was a done deal that they take it for granted that a lot of these kids who who transferred in under these circumstances and just um, they were going to go ahead and push the waiver up and it was going to be something that was going to be in play to give you know to give athletes the same opportunity that coaches and administrators have to to seek another opportunity and not be penalized for it. Cause there's really only five sports that you're talking about where you have to sit out a year. And most of the, you know, most of the non-revenue sports you're able to, to go and compete right away. So um, yeah, it's surprising. It's going it, to, it will, it will slow down the, the, the waiver wire, if you will, the transfer portal a bit, I would think, because I think you would have seen a lot of, a lot of players uh, looking to jump in here at the last minute and maybe move up a level if they felt like they could compete at that level. Uh, So, uh, you know, there's still 800 or some names in the basketball portal, and, you know, it's going to continue to to be around that number each year. But, uh, you know, as far as this year goes, I think, uh, you know, it it could slow down a little bit in the next few weeks.
0: You know, uh, it's a basketball sort of deal, it seems. Uh, I think if this had happened, you would see it a lot more in football. When we talked to Mike Houston a couple of weeks ago, he was uh, thinking that it could be a bad thing for uh, for college football. And I can understand coaches thinking that. The thing, I guess, that I would like to see the NCAA maybe uh, take up again with this is if you're in a situation just like Wake Forest we've talked about here. I mean, Danny Manning was there well after the season ended, uh, recruited kids, was kind of acting as the face of the program, even though these negotiations were going on apparently to dismiss him the whole time, he finally gets dismissed. Well, you know, they've got kids that have committed to this thing. Uh, they've got a kid that, uh, you know, is going to to see what he can do in the pros. If that doesn't work out, where is he going to come back to? Uh, you know, right. I, I to me, the, I think if there's a coaching change, could the NCAA kind of take this up and, and you know, make it that, nuanced in that if you have that situation let's give the kids a window to to do this without penalty uh or is this just totally a a non-starter right now
4: no i think so and i think you still could see some waivers granted it just won't be a blanket case like uh they were proposing where everybody had the opportunity to do it one time without the penalty of having to sit out a year but i think under situations uh like you mentioned a coaching change or or family health condition or, uh, you know, some extenuating circumstance, I think the NCAA could still handle those on a case-by-case basis. Of course, the problem with that in the past has been that it's taken uh, an extremely long time sometimes for them to make those decisions with, uh, you know, sometimes in basketball, those decisions not being made until October or, or even the first of November. So uh, uh, I, I think you you still will see some waivers in some in some cases. And I think in the future, uh, maybe next year you, they could go to the uh, the one time waiver. Um, you know, you could see that as something that, that that's in place each year.
0: Brian, thanks a lot. We appreciate uh, the time, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch with you real soon.
4: Okay, thanks, Patrick. Take care.
0: Good stuff from uh, Brian Mulder. All right, uh, a timeout. Uh, well, before we do that timeout, here's Ben Byram with an update. Ben, after you uh, talk, just throw it back to me, and I'll tease the next segment ahead there. A little bit of a uh, a change in the broadcast format, but we'll give it a go and see how it goes today. So here's Ben Byram, the man in black, with uh, your uh, ninety four three the game update, Ben.
1: Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94th through the Game Sports Update. Wake Forest has named East Tennessee State Steve Forbes, the Demon Deacons' next head coach after the firing of Dan- Danny Manning. Forbes has been one of the most successful mid-major coaches in the country the past several years. He has won 130 games in five seasons at East Tennessee State and two Southern Conference regular season titles. East Tennessee went to the NCAA tournament in 2017 and would have gone this season after winning 30 games in the SOCON tournament. The Little League World Series will not be played this year for the first time since the organization. Organization began because of the coronavirus pandemic. Little League International also canceled a regional tournaments, tournaments but said the events will return in 2021. The current cancellations also include the Little League Softball World Series set to be held in Greenville this year. Little League International also said it would credit its charter programs with $1.2 million and affiliation fees toward current balances or future seasons. NASCAR announced that it will resume its season without fans starting May 17th at Darlington Raceway in South Carolina with the Premier Cup Series race. In a total of four times in an 11-day span. And in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals released veteran quarterback Andy Dalton. The Chicago Bears have reached a one-year deal with free agent wide receiver Ted, Ted Ginn Jr. Kansas City Chiefs made the obvious move and exercised a fifth-year option on the contract of quarterback Patrick Mahomes. And guard Michael Schofield has signed a one-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. Last season, Schofield was the only offensive lineman to start every game for the Los Angeles Chargers. playing 995 snaps at the right Guard position for your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Barm. Now back to Patrick Johnson.
0: Thank you, Ben. Uh hey, if you're a JP2 football fan, you might have some new opponents. We'll tell you about it with Chris Hughes next. The P-Man. He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? This is the Patrick Johnson show on 94-3 the game. <laughs> Twenty-four hours ago, the High School Athletic Association was holding a uh, press conference. And we told you yesterday they named uh, the basketball regional champs from each classification in both uh, boys and girls Oops co-state champions. Uh, but some other news kind of came out of that yesterday. Here to discuss all that with us is uh, carolinapreps.com uh chris hughes the uh editor and uh the grand poobah of uh, that website uh, chris joining us uh, here on the pj show uh, this afternoon at uh, five thirty-nine. hey chris
2: how are you buddy i'm doing great p man and i like the way grand poobah sounds that's
0: just that just sounds really good feel free to refer to yourself now as the grand poobah i'm gonna um, put it on my twitter handle of uh of, i would you know where i'd go high school sports in north care in the carolinas hey, hey there you go there i'd you go, go i'd go there uh, it, you, but I like the poke of the bear sometimes, but I'd go there if I were you. Cause you, you certainly have those qualifications. All right. So let me, uh, let me kind of get a couple things out of the way here and we don't have to spend a ton of time on them. We, we kind of already discussed them. Uh, but I would like to get your take on it. Uh, cause there's really some kind of big and exciting news in all of this, uh, that we'll get to, but, but starting things off, you know, we right here in our backyard, Farmville, uh, boys and girls team, co-champs. Uh, we're fine with that, right? That's That was probably the move instead of just saying no championship or or anything along those lines.
2: I think it's the absolute right decision to make. I mean, these are unprecedented times. And, you know, the, the game was scheduled. They were supposed to go play the game. It's not like they were never going to play in a state championship game. I mean, it was scheduled. It was to be, and it didn't get to be. So, you know what? Let both of those teams celebrate the glory of the accomplishments that they Uh, they they both made, and and I think it's a great decision.
0: You know, I I think if it were up to the kids, they'd rather go and play, but uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, everybody's coming out of this thing pretty satisfied, uh, it would seem. Uh, The other uh, thing is we really don't have an idea of what a fall sports schedule would look like, what any kind of summer activities would look like. And, again, uh, you know, there's more exciting news out of this thing other than this, but we just want to kind of cover that base before we get into it.
2: Yeah, I don't really anticipate there being any summer workouts whatsoever. No seven-on-sevens that we're used to seeing. Uh, I think that at the very best, we'll be lucky if teams are on the field working with their coaches by August 1st. I'm holding out hope that there will be. uh, You know, it's really, you know, to quote Hugh Tucker, the commissioner of the NCHSAA, it's out of their hand. It's not a decision. They'll make It's solely uh, at the hands of the governor and, and his administration.
0: You cannot have uh, high school football in particular without fans in attendance, though, can you?
2: I don't think you can. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that it would be the same. You know, high school footballs are played for the communities. You know, they're not professional athletes. You know, they are community-driven sports, and, and oftentimes it's community pitted against community. Uh, so I don't think that you would have the same pizzazz if you play them um without fans. But from the same token, you know, and, and and I think we've got to trace a really fine line right here. You know, you don't want to think of these student athletes as being, you know, pawns for financial gain. You know, yes, the schools need the money. They play for the financial part of it as well. But you don't want to think that the the young men and women and student athletes are just out there playing for the, the bottom line of their school either. You know, you want them to have their competitive uh, games and, and to be a part of it, but you know you, you kind of find that fine line of you know what is it? Is it money for the school or is it a competition for the kids? Well, that's the big
0: thing, though. The a lot of these schools uh, rely on those football gates, uh, and and really all all attendance for basketball factors in there for some, but with football, that's the big thing that kind of drives the whole. I mean, it's like college in a sense; everything. it drives everything. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, even if you're push, you know, the the good news is it's outdoors and i really think by the time we get into the season you could see uh you know people attending games it's a little different at a high school game as well in you know while i know there's some places that really pack them in you know it, 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 you can maybe do some things in certain stands and not have people sitting on top of each other uh, you know ultimately here uh we'll see but but yeah you know, again i, I that you've almost got to play it with with uh, with fans in the stands at some capacity. I, otherwise, it could well, really yeah, be I mean, detrimental.
2: You know, you know, you think about it. You or I, if any of us have children, you think of the parents of any of the athletes out there, and those parents, through the course of those childhood and teenage years, have driven those kids to practices and to games and to get. Shoes and so much—they've got so much invested in their in their child—and you're going to tell mom or dad that they can't go watch their kid play on the field. I I just don't think that will fly. I think somebody's going to be there at the very least. I I guarantee you, some parents going to be in the stands because they've got more invested than anyone.
0: All right, we've got Chris Hughes, CarolinaPreps.com on the line with us here. Some of the big news to come out of this uh, meeting yesterday with the high school athletic association was. Uh, some pro- some public schools are going to be able to play eight man football.
2: I think that is the biggest story coming out of it. You know, it's not a story that the news entities are going to run with. I don't think that you necessarily will see the local sports writers write about this. But I think the longest, you, you know, take a long view impact of this that you're going to have. Madam Mesquite High School. Columbia High School, now able to play eight-man football in the 1A ranks. I think that some other schools are going to take notice of this. Uh, You know, some that can come to mind would be Jones Sr., uh, maybe some of the schools in Halifax County, Cape Hatteras, um, maybe Rosman in the far west reaches of the state. There are a lot of schools in North Carolina that might look at this and say, hey, this is a way to save football. Because we've all seen the dwindling numbers of football and participation over the past few years and all of a sudden you get a small school that just doesn't have the depth and the numbers is maybe a big 4A or 3A school, this could be the way to save football. And I, I see this as an incredibly positive uh, direction.
0: So we have eight-man football here in Greenville with John Paul the Second starting up their program this past year. Um, you've got Parrot Academy down in Kinston, which has had a lot of success and played for state titles consistently. Uh, over in Pungo or over in uh, Belhaven, Pungo, Christian plays eight-man. So – there are a lot of uh, schools within the sound of our signal here that are private schools that play eight-man football. Could, could what happened or what was decided lead to maybe those eight-man leagues? Certainly they'll fill uh, the private schools and public schools will probably fill some non-conference slots, one would think, uh, for some of these schools. But could you see some of these groups getting together and maybe creating some conferences out of it, part private, part public?
2: I don't know about the conference part, but I definitely see those schools uh, getting together and playing one another. I think, you know, without really saying it, Q Tucker said, you know, she she said it's left up to the schools who they play, uh, but she kind of left the door open assuming that, you know, these public schools would fill their schedules with some of the private schools. And it would be a logical decision for them to do so. I mean, you think about it. You've got so many eight-man schools in eastern North Carolina uh to choose from and also though some of these schools are having to go to raleigh you know to play the st and yeah. mm-hmm. the, the raleigh charters and some of those schools up there it will give a little bit more of an eastern north carolina field and maybe limits for travel
0: yeah and and a lot of uh, schools even smaller schools in the northeastern part of the state uh private schools play it so i mean there there would seem to be a possibility that there are a lot of opponents to be scheduled and it could cut down on some travel for uh, for other schools, so that that could be a good thing.
2: Absolutely, Patrick. But I still think the long view scope of this is to say, hey, this could lead to an eight man sanction championship for North Carolina. That could lead to more and more one A or maybe even some two A schools that are hurt with numbers to play for a championship in it. And and that's why I really see this in saving football.
0: Yeah, that's a, a good point. And I mean, it was just it was Jones Senior this past year who just stopped their season. They have the numbers, and if they have an eight-man uh, team, maybe they have numbers on the roster to, to play out the season, and uh, you know have a little more depth, and they're not necessarily having to uh, you know risk guys' health out there by, uh, you know, small roster playing eleven-man football. So we'll see. That's interesting stuff. Uh, anything else out of that meeting, Chris, that we need to take note of, or that you found interesting, or maybe that was not said that you think's interesting?
2: Well, I think the the biggest takeaway that I took from the meeting uh, with the president uh, Craddock and and Commissioner Tucker and all the guys within the NCHSAA's administration is that really they're on a holding pattern. There's not a lot that they can do. They're trying to be as proactive as possible in in dealing with the COVID situation, but really, and Q Tucker said this verbatim, she said kind of like the old tape recorder, we're just going to have to press pause right now. And by pressing pause, you know, they've got the uh, the 2021 realignment on schedule. Uh, the committee has been unable to do any realignment discussions uh, across the state with the different administrations. So I I think that everything is kind of on hold and and they're just kind of waiting this situation out so they can resume meetings. So more than anything, while, yes, we had some things that came out, more than anything, it's just to kind of wait and see. And by that, waiting on what's going to happen through the governor through letting the state get back to work and so on.
0: You know, one thing you said I want to revisit here uh, just to get a little clarification, too, because I've had a couple people text me while we're talking to you. Uh, So stuff like 7-on-7 in football in the summer and these other uh, sort of workout opportunities uh, are likely not happening or are not happening. Uh, At least uh, right now they're not happening from from the uh, Athletic Association perspective. What about the camps, though, that kids go to? And I know a lot of that may be predicated on the college, but are, are is that totally something that those kids can can do uh, can uh, are they are or even camps whether kids go to a college camp or whether a local high school team holds their own camp those are out the window too i guess
2: i don't see any local high school team being allowed to just because of what the local education authorities are going to say i don't think that would be allowed you know the colleges i think are still under the guidance of the governor and his health administration staff So whether he allows them to start having groups of more than 10 or or so on, I I think everything is still at his discretion at this point. Uh, But the way it stands right now, unless it's a private camp that someone is holding, I I don't see really many of any camps being held, especially in the seven-on-sevens.
0: Well, we know a lot of NFL guys will come back and they'll put on these camps uh, in the summer. And we know a lot of colleges will – I mean, it's a way for them to get guys on their campus to take – Closer looks at guys too, so uh, it'd be interesting to see how that all kind of shapes out.
2: Uh, it, it is, but I, I have been told, and I've spoke to some of the, the head coaches at the local ranks. You know, Coach Dorn and Coach Brown mm-hmm. at UNC and NC State, respectively. And, and I think a lot of these colleges are saying that recruiting, at least into in today's light, is going back a lot like it used to be in the old days, to where your senior season counted, uh, because that's all they're going to have to do is pull from tape from your senior season. You know, yep. here in the past few years, it's been, you know, get the kid on campus during the summer of his junior year, like you were mentioning. But if they're unable to do that, you're going to start to see a lot more players evaluated as a senior. And that can really, really open the door for somebody to slip in and get a college recruit or to get a college scholarship, because so often it's been, you know, these scholarships are offered by the sophomore junior year based off of camps. And sometimes those camp results didn't translate over to the field. Now you might get to see some guys who actually get it done on the field and finally get a chance to show what they can do.
0: So you mean more helicopters landing on soccer fields where uh, college coaches come to scout a game on Friday night. Is that what you're predicting? Uh,
2: I, think, I think that's <laughs> totally possible. Uh, and you you know these colleges right now, they're going to do anything it takes to, to woo a player and, and, uh, and to show that they care. And, and landing the helicopter on the field is what it takes. I think you'll see a lot more of it.
0: Hey Chris, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate uh, the uh, the the news and the insight as well. Thanks, too, man. All right, there he goes, Chris Hughes, the grand poobah of uh, CarolinaPreps uh, dot com. Great to have Chris back in the fold. Uh, Sounding good there, and uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, wrap things up on this Thursday PJ show. Patrick Johnson. I think he's a heat nest and an overblown grandstander. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94-3, The Game. Brian Weingertz uh, tomorrow, Nikki Novak tomorrow. Thanks to Brian Mull and thanks to uh, Chris Hughes. The reason we're going to have uh, Weingertz on tomorrow: Little League World Series, the regionals canceled the. Softball World Series to be held here in Greenville canceled. But uh, Brian says there will be a little league season. So we'll get to the details on that tomorrow. Thanks to Ben Byram across the way. And thanks to you. Be safe out there. We'll see you tomorrow.